of grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, it wasn't so very long ago, perhaps at the age of your, your parents, even certainly your grandparents, when people of this world still longed to go home. And what was the, the reason for that longing? It was, in fact, that people understood they lived within a sinful world. A world that was, yes, full of grief, a world that was full of loss. Before there was modern medicine, people could expect even to lose perhaps half of their children. Can you imagine? They would have maybe 10 or 12 children, but you could expect that perhaps six of those would die from disease in your lifetime. People understood that this world was a hard place. That, yes, it was not pleasant. And it was then very natural for them to want to go home. People are writing poetry. People, yes, preaching sermons on a Sunday. That natural desire within us we want to be in heaven. We want to be with God. We want to be in a place where God, yes, is totally in control. Where we can completely trust the things that are happening to be within His will. But now we kind of fast forward into our present day when, yes, we have things good, and certainly we want to thank God for the good things we have. But the, the flip side of our current situation is that we find terrorists committing acts of terrorism and then claiming that it was God's will that they succeed. You see, that's where we currently live within the United States. We have, yes, again, I'll say it, terrorists committing acts of terrorism, being successful, and then claiming it was God's will that they succeeded. But certainly this turns the whole idea on its head, doesn't it? And what is the answer? The answer is that it becomes part of God's plan that He uses people. And when people respond to God as they should, then, yes, God's will is done. But when people refuse to respond to God's will, and when people actually do the opposite of God's will, we cannot then therefore say, oh, that was God's fault. We cannot blame God for the causes of sin in this world. In fact, way back in the Garden of Eden, God told us that because of the fall, there would now be trials. 
And because of the fall, there would now be sin. And because of the fall, things would be imperfect. By the sweat of our brow, every day we would earn our bread. Now I ask you folks, how often have you gone to work through the course of the summer and everything just kind of went real smooth? Well, if you raise your hand, congratulations. Because you know what? For most people, when they're out there trying to earn their daily bread, there are roadblocks and there are pitfalls. And, and there is struggle. And there are headaches. Things become difficult. Yes, that is where we live. That really is the natural state of our world. Now, I believe the only time things go right, the only time that things are as they are supposed to be is when you and I responding to the promptings of the Holy Spirit are reading from our Bible and determining to follow that word of God through struggle that is the only time that God's will is done. You see, one of the problems I think we have with current society is that a lot of people are just kind of throwing their hands in the air and they're saying, whatever happens, that must be God's will. And oh, well, I didn't find a job today, so I, I guess it must not be God's will for me to have a job, right? My, my car was not magically healed out in the driveway. I guess it must not be God's will for my car to work this week. All of these things are going wrong in government, but I'm not going to bother to write my congressman or senator or run for any kind of office. Oh well, I guess it must be God's will that these things are happening in our world. For you know what? It takes effort on our part to carry out God's will. It takes effort to be able to go out when you're unemployed and find a new job. It takes effort to see your broken car in the driveway and to do something about it, to fix it once again. It takes effort to make changes in our community and even, yes, in our own families and our own personal lives. But when people just kind of shrug their shoulders, or throw their hands in the air, and say, well, I guess whatever happens, that must be God's will. That is exactly where some of the famous phrases come in, I believe. Evil prevails when good people do nothing. Did your parents teach you that one? And what does that mean for us? If we want to stop evil, we have to get up each and every day and actively 
do something about it. Not just throw our hands in the air and say, well, I guess if terrorists are able to do bad things, it must have been God's will somehow. But rather, that we ourselves would stand and say, I'm going to do something about that thing that's bothering me here this morning. I'm going to be one of those people that goes the extra mile, you see. Well, we know some kind of famous people. I had two that maybe came to my mind this morning. Now, since some of my boys like, like football so much, we used to, to follow a football player. His name was Tim Tebow. And maybe you heard the, the name of Tim Tebow. He was the guy that actually came on the, the Super Bowl. He had a Super Bowl ad a, a few years back because he was one of those tiny little babies that the doctor said, he's just not going to make it. Right? He's going to be deformed. You, his parents, you're, you're going to have to care for him extensively for his entire life. You should have an abortion the doctor said to his mom. His mom and dad being missionaries to the Philippines, they said, well, we don't believe in abortion. Whatever happens, you know, that's what we're going to live with. And, and Tim was, was born, and he was healthy, and he was happy. And as I told you, he went on to be able to play professional football. And so he did a little ad on the Super Bowl. And maybe, you know, your, your husband was making you watch the Super Bowl that Sunday and maybe you saw his little act. Yeah, it, it was against abortion. But Tim, as a young man playing football in high school, uh, finding himself in you know not really a, a very good situation, his mom took him to a place in Florida where they lived in a motel during the week so that he could qualify to play quarterback at that particular high school. That's kind of going the extra mile, isn't it? You know, can you imagine what kind of effort that took? You know, we're going to rent a, a motel during the week and we're going to go be in that community during the week so that our son can play football there as quarterback his senior year. We're going to make that effort and then we're just going to get to come home on weekends and we just get to be a family, you know, on the weekend and then the next week of football season comes and back to that community in Florida we go. So our son play quarterback. But because of that effort that his parents made, you know, missionary father living in, in Florida kind of during the off-mission season but traveling to the Philippines still for quite a bit of the year. The mom moving from their home week to week. And Tim Tebow, he got a scholarship to be able to play football for the Gators in Florida. In fact, he went on to be able to win the Heisman Trophy. And yes, he was in the running, so it, it could have even been possible he would have won three Heisman Trophies playing for that team in Florida. 
And they're going on to be able to play professional football and, and to, to be a part of the Denver Broncos organization, to be able to win, yes, even a playoff game. And during that playoff game, he threw for 316 yards. Maybe not so much of a coincidence. Because what is your favorite Bible verse? John 3.16. And in fact, when Tim Tebow threw for 316 yards, thousands, millions even of people Googled 3.16. And what of course comes back if you put 3.16 into your search engine? Well, John. For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now think about it. You know, Tim's mom and dad, they could have said, oh, well, you know. Wife traveling down there to Florida to live week to week just so little Timmy could play quarterback, I, you know, I, that sounds kind of goofy, you know. And we're going to have to make some sacrifices and, and it's going to take some extra motel fees and, and you know, as a missionary, you know, Tim's dad could have well said, why should we be doing that? You know? And yet, the family did something hard. They did something extraordinary. They did something that most families would never even think about doing. And it provided their son with a world stage to be able to reach others for Christ through the means of football. Well, maybe you're not so much into sports, or maybe you had no idea who Tim Tebow is, and it didn't really spark a lot of interest for you this morning. But as I was thinking about it, there is a well-known missionary that comes to mind. His name was William Carey. And William Carey really felt that it was laid upon his heart that he would go to the continent of India. And he would try there to share the gospel with whoever he could. Now, William Carey's career, it was, was fraught with discouragement. It, it was full of disappointment. There were years and years where he labored in that mission field and didn't even see one person being converted to Christianity. <coughs> and yet... He persevered. At the end of his career, people asked William Carey, what, what was it about you that allowed you, yes, to be successful in that endeavor? When, when especially you spent like the first ten years and nothing seemed to even happen. And William Carey said, well, I'm a plotter. I know how to plod. I, I know how to persevere. 
I don't know how to run the, the race at a, a sprint. I, I don't even know that I, I have a, a lot of you know endurance, but I can keep putting one foot in front of the other. And so William Carey, he got into the, the dye business in India. He was able to use the dye business to fund his missionary endeavors. He was able to form a, yes, even a university there in the country of India. His university specializing in languages. And from that university and the printing presses that he established, he was able to print holy Bibles in multiple different languages and to be able to send those Bibles throughout the world. Now certainly when people look at the early life of William Carey, they would say he was not successful. You know, people would say you were there for the first 15 years and you converted like 10 people. Come on. What kind of numbers are those? But yeah, through his industry and through his establishment of a university and through his translating the Bible into many different languages, William Carey comes down to us from history as perhaps one of the greatest missionaries that ever lived. Because he could persevere. And because he kept putting one foot in front of the other. And because he went the distance. Now, dear friends, I don't know what kind of discouragements you face in your daily life. I don't know exactly what all of your family situations are. But I suggest once again that God's will is done through people. It's not just something that we can throw our hands in the air and say, oh, well, I hope God's will is done today. But I guess it's not going to be done by me. But no, rather, God's will is done when you and I do hard things, they say. When we go that extra mile, when we put in that extra effort, when we try something extraordinary that most other people would never even consider, when we are God's instruments. Have you thought much about the founding of the Methodist Church lately? So you found it by the, the Wesley family. Susanna Wesley, having three sons, decided in her day and age that she wanted to homeschool them. She provided them with an extensive curriculum, yes, in the Christian faith, uh, as well as other tools they would need in their particular day and age. And the three Wesley brothers then going to the university, then going to the seminary, founding 
an entire religious organization. Theus comes down to us once again to this day. Well, certainly back at that time, homeschooling was perhaps even less popular than it is today. Many people mocking Susanna for her fervent Christian convictions, mocking that she would be able to instruct her own sons to any kind of intellectual development, not, not believing in her casting verbal stones, as you will, telling her that she was just ruining their lives. And yet they learned the holy word of God. And yet they learned the foundations of being able to argue critically. They gained the, the knowledge of critical thinking. They became leaders of their day. Dear friends, that really is what it takes. The perseverance, the doing something hard, being willing to go out there, being different, yes, even being mocked and ridiculed for our approach to things, but nevertheless being that instrument of God. That's what we're called to. That is who we're called to be. Yes, certainly I get kind of tired in our day and age when I see people just kind of throw their hands in the air and they say, oh, well, it, it must be God's will that that happened. Was it really God's will? Or was it just that you and I retired to the safety of our couch and just kind of hoped that something good would still happen? Dear friends, God loves you so much. He loves you so much He sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sin. And with that great love coming to you and flowing through you, can you really afford to just throw your hands in the air and say, oh, I hope things work out okay? Or do you begin also to feel that call? That call that the Tebos experienced when they made the decision to send their son into difficult circumstances. That call that William Carey felt all the days of his life, even though after ten years he had made very little progress. That call of a Susanna Wesley, who determines that it is the best interest of her children that she would take over their education and produce something extraordinary. Yes, dear friends, we have that power within us because the Holy Spirit Himself moves 
through us. And when we pray then in our Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray because we know in this world there is sin. And in this world there is sorrow. And it's only when we make it home that things will be perfect and that God's will will always be done. But here in this world, God's will is done through us. Will you be the one? Will you be the one to answer to his call? Will you be the one to go out into this world and be God's hands and his feet? Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.